It is Wednesday, actually, today, September 2nd. Sorry for the day late episode. I was, uh, my family came in from California, have not seen them in forever. And so I've been spending time with them. We were at Toledo Bend Lake, hurricane rolls through. We've now been in a New Orleans Airbnb for the last few days. And uh, it was great. What it means is that uh, we are a day late in recording. What it also means is that I basically stepped away for a couple of days and uh, everything got lit on fire. <laughs> I, I, I I feel like uh, Donald Glover in, I think it's Community, that gift where he's like, all right, I'm going to grab pizza, and he comes back and just the apartment's melting. Like That's essentially what it feels like returning to Sports Talk uh, on this Wednesday after taking Monday, Tuesday off. I'm T-Bob Bear. Host of Off the Bench, I am joined by the Athletics Brody Miller. Brody, what's up, dude? Well, you know I'm the person in the fire right now, trying to trying to wade my way out of it. So, uh, yeah, we're in different perspectives. It's been a wild few days. Huh? Yeah, yeah, you saw it all burn down firsthand Bur- while I was uh, <laughs> swimming and watching Spirit, uh, poorly animated 3D show about a horse. I mean, first off, um, legendary movie. I mean, let's not be haters on Spirit. I've never, no, I've I've, I've never seen it. Um, so I, I don't know why though. My natural instinct is to say that it's garbage. Yeah. Uh, but Hey, in a positive, and, and that's, and I like most things. I just don't think it looked, I just don't Well, it was what, like 2001, like it's a different time in animation. Yeah, that's fair. And a lot of that early animation looks terrible to me. I'm not fans of it. It's yeah, like, like if Mouse you go, Clubhouse. the original Toy Story, like doesn't exactly like age well. Whoa, from like a, whoa. I just meant animation. Whoa. I just meant animation. Calm down. That's a bad take. That's a new bad take. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's not do this thing where you put words in my mouth. Let's not do that. I'm not. I'm like the biggest Toy Story defender on earth. I love Toy Story. But I'm just saying, Toy Story on a visual level holds up. Toy Story. It holds up. I just meant like you do feel like there's a difference in the last 30 years of animation where you're watching and you're like, that's different. That's all. Absolutely, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, Toy Story. And granted, the 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 budgets are so different. But Toy Story one animation like smashes like 2001 spirit or okay you're right you're right or that mickey mouse clubhouse like yeah the dog looks like a joke yeah. i mean it looks like you look now and then you look at the cat in toy story 4 and you're like oh my god this is just wild but yeah yeah 95 95 how about it all right so now that that is out the way let's get to the uh the less important stuff um go to the athletic.com slash hold that podcast 40 percent off sign up for the athletic super cheap it helps us out and uh, and it helps Brody and the Athletic out, and they're awesome. There's no ads, it's all sports. It's, it's the best sports site out there, whatever. You hear me talk about it all the time. Athletic.com slash hold that podcast. Brody, there's a lot of places we can start. Um, I guess we'll start this one, though, on the field, because Monday and Tuesday, or maybe it was Sunday, Monday, saw a news cycle that had LSU's top NFL prospect on offense opt out. And arguably, LSU's top NFL prospect on defense opt out. Um, a massive loss for the Tigers as both Tyler Shelvin and Jamar Chase announce that they are leaving, uh, that they are opting out of the season. Uh, there's so many places we could start. Let's start here. Just what was your kind of view of the situation as it unfolded? Did you have any idea this was coming? Like, what was kind of the, the journalist view of this? Yeah, so, I mean, first off, you start with the fact that, the, I mean, we've been having a conversation nationally about the fact the players might opt out since, what, you know, May? I think that's been something that we all kind of thought might happen. And when that conversation started, I think unanimously in the country, Jamar Chase was one of the, like, three players everybody was like, well, yeah, he'd be one of them, right? Like, we yeah. all, Chase was always a candidate. But then you get the mixed signals of, like, his dad just three weeks ago, you know, saying, like, he's playing and he's ready for the season. Chase himself was getting ready for the season. Like, all indications were he was going to play. But, I mean, I've heard that, you know, dating back to, say, July, both the Chase camp and the Shelvin camp had kind of been talking to people and been considering it for quite a while. And it wasn't something that just, like, popped up, which that I'm saying that more for the fan base because there's a lot of people in the fan base that are like, why now and all that and it's like well they've been thinking about it for a while and I think the LSU staff had known it was a possibility for a little bit but they just kind of hoped they might be able to you know change his mind a little bit but so you knew it was possible and 
And, you know, each, I think both Chase and Shelvin have, like, more specific reasons for going that are different between them that, are, you know, I won't necessarily get into. But I, I think at the end of the day, you can't be surprised by Chase. You understand it. And I understand the frustration that it came midway through camp. That makes sense. But you have to understand that. The Shelvin one is tricky because, and we'll get to this, I'm sure, in depth, but he's somebody who, yeah, had a chance of being a first-round pick. But he was not secure you know like he's not that guy he has a lot to prove still he has to prove he can keep his weight down he has to prove he can not get you know with his grades and get in trouble and just be a disciplinary problem for an NFL team he has to prove all that he only has one season of great tape but still he has a lot of question marks so him opting out is actually really tricky because like him opting out actually hurts his stock you would think yeah I mean not only does it hurt his stock it it feels like I mean, it just it, it it feels like like okay. I'm I'm gonna say this just from a pure NFL prospect standpoint. Yeah. And, and obviously, it's gonna sound callous because I'm ignoring the risk of COVID and especially being yeah. heavier. He is obviously most at risk. But for a career, it feels like the worst possible decision. Um, just given as you said, he an additional year of tape is how he you could push yourself into the first round. But more than that. The single biggest obstacle to him the entire time has been his battles with weight. Yeah. And so uh, that temptation is going to be more extreme now than ever. And he's going to be out of that very kind of regimen, running every day, practicing run. Yeah, nine months to do whatever he wants. And if we're just looking at his track record up to this point, um, you would not feel very good about how he's going to spend that time. Now, like anything else, uh, in failure lies opportunity, right? So, like, in the past when he's had these breaks and he has not done well and he's gained weight, it's it's, it's been hard for him. He's managed to overcome it. If he were to, like, show up at the Combine or something like that later on and he's in, like, incredible shape, yeah. then I think that in you, you – like, if I'm his PR team, his agent, I would, you, could, you could spin that into an overall positive. Yeah. That, yes, he didn't play this year, but we were concerned – but look, I mean, what was the one critique on him? Was could he maintain that weight, maintain that discipline, and look at what he's done these past eight months? So he has opportunity still, but I think just not playing hurts his stock for a year. And I just think he kind of is exposing himself to the thing that he has most struggled with in his young career. Yeah, I mean, there are people in his in his corner, you know, like that are in his camp that really disagreed with this decision. I don't, I don't think I'm going out of line saying that. And and I think there are people like people who know him really well are like he's somebody who needs structure. And I'm not I don't want this podcast being like me criticizing Tyler Shelvin. I actually enjoy Tyler Shelvin's probably my favorite LSU football player to to like on the team current or was on the team currently I need to cover dude. and when watch. I don't have yeah. structure. Yeah, that's not but, a I mean that is what it is. Some people are like that. When my wife and kids leave town, it gets terrible. I just become a complete degenerate doing all the worst things and just <laughs> wallowing in filth. Like, structure, some of us just, yes, you need a little bit of that pressure to get your shit together. Yeah, 100%. So, like, I, it's, it's just a shame in that sense. But at the same time, like you said, I am rooting for Tyler Shelvin. I think he's gone through a lot and genuinely is somebody who I just love watching play football. I love watching a guy who at 360 moves like he's, like, 270 and it's just a physical yeah. – you know, he's just fun. He's my – I love interior linemen. So do you. But, yeah, I just think it's something that it's going to hurt him from a stock point of view. It might hurt him from a career point of view. But it also might work out, and I'm rooting for it. Chase, you just can't criticize. He has literally nothing to prove. You know, like, he, it can – only look worse and first off then you factor in covid which his father said is a small is part of it and the everything going on he his dad said i mean it's been like a perfect he said it with you right it's been kind of it's like it was one literal thing it was a perfect storm a little bit and i think that you know he's somebody who literally showed against every elite second it's not like he just had a great year he showed against every single one of the top defensive secondaries and and every one of the top defenses in college football that he is the best receiver in the game like the tape is overwhelming so there's so little to gain and yeah i just think i mean he's gonna be i mean if he doesn't first off he probably goes top five or six but if he doesn't go top 10 i think we'd all be pretty damn shocked so you have to understand it now else you just has to pick up the pieces and figure it out i mean aj terrell uh I was laughing because I saw a Falcons tweet the other day. <laughs> and it was a video of A.J. Terrell versus Julio Jones. 
and it was a great pass breakup by Terrell, right? Yeah. And it was like iron sharpens iron because that's what we all <laughs> love to say at this point in the year. But uh, but but the um, the first response on Twitter was somebody was like, that ain't how Jamar, that ain't how he guarded Jamar Chase. It's like he's still constantly catching flack for what Jamar Chase did to him. So you yes, know what needs to I happen, mean, Jamar. What's that? I think he. Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't think of this until we're on air, but. I mean, the Carolina Panthers are semi, not tanking, but not trying to be great right now. And in a division of A.J. Terrell, I think Jamar Chase has to go to, to, with Joe Brady and the Carolina Panthers. Oh, dude, that would be so crazy. Another Louisiana hero going to Carolina, coming back, trying to wreck the Saints' dreams. Wrecking the Saints uh, and wrecking I, A.J. Terrell's life, yeah. That said, I think like, Carolina's not going to be that bad this year, right? Because per this conversation, Jamar Chase – we imagine as a top 10 pick. Uh, um, I don't even think they're going to be very good. Him, and he falls, uh, Carolina. I mean, I love everything Carolina's doing, and I think they're doing that like really awesome job of like towing a line of like being f- competent, but not, but still like being prepared to get picks. But I mean, just look at the NFL. There's not many teams that are tanking right now. And, and I, I kind of think the Panthers are going to be like six and 10. Like, I just oh, don't think they're that okay. close to good yet. Yeah. That's not dissing. Yeah, I, I guess actually, you're right. Six, uh, six yeah. to ten. Does that put you in Jamar Chase range? I think it puts you at like six or seven. Yeah. I mean, and you yeah. know, okay. it's not like receivers go top five that often. So yeah. I mean, it's very possible. Yeah. So that would be disappointing. Don't, yeah, anyway, don't kill Jamar my Chase, Tyler Shel- <laughs> Shelvin, um, or he goes to the Chase are leaving. With Joe Burrow. Who is – oh, that would that would be even sicker, dude. That would be awesome. But, dude, I mean, it's impossible. The Bengals are at least going 10-6 and six now. Yeah, well, I figured – Joe I mean, Burrow, 16, so that can't 16 knows the buzz, I say, as a Bengals fan. But, you know, I don't want to, like – you know, Adam Schefter keeps saying it, but I'm just going to ignore him, you know. <laughs> it's, I don't want to get too up the top. Uh, okay, I, I – as far as – um. oh, shoot, what were we just talking about? Oh, oh, okay, the, the, the why is he not doing it? I agree with you. It is – it is it is the most understandable decision ever, right? Like with COVID and all the uncertainty, the bigger question was almost why would he play? But what a lot of people are doing, and I wonder where your head's at this, Brody, are saying that does this affect college football going forward in a non-pandemic time? Will somebody else, and it's rare to get there, right? Derek Singley Jr. is actually one of the only players that I yeah. think is in a bit of the same spot where like – before his draft eligible year, he could be considered a first round lock. But but do you see those people? Do you think opting out uh, without the uncertainty of a pandemic, just in like a regular year? Yeah. So this is a question I've gotten like a few times in the last few days, and I and I sincerely like end up talking in circles and like blabbering because I'm still don't know where I stand on it, but. My answer is I don't think so. It's just how I overall feel. And I could be so freaking wrong on this. But I just think we've seen this over the last decade where, like, there's always every year, like, a different player that's like, man, should this – like, remember Clowney? Clowney was the closest anyone felt like they might, you know? Like, that thing, he was a yeah. sure thing. And, like, still it was like, hey, you got a good insurance policy, but, like, you're not going to sit out. And, like, the part that people leave out of all of this is, like, I think – People, and I understand why, I'm normally on, like, that, like, left side of things who's, like, players' rights and, like, do the right thing. But, like, we leave out that these guys live their life wanting to play college football most of the time. Not everyone, yeah. but, like, that's their dream. Like, this is, like, the coolest years of your life. Like, playing for a national title and all these things, that is, like, you don't want to skip that. Do I think it will never happen? No, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I bet it happens somewhere. You know, like no, I bet happen. somebody. Yeah. But I do not think that will be a thing. Maybe if the NFL, you know, like the NBA eventually like changes the draft rules and that, then you see like maybe a two-year thing or something like that, maybe you start seeing it more often. Yeah, I mean, you would see it more often. But I just do not think it's a thing that will happen year in, year out because, I don't know, it just feels like you're losing more than you're gaining there. Yeah, and that, and that thing, for almost anybody, you're losing more than you're gaining. I also look, dude, I just firmly believe that it is the pandemic uh, yeah, that, that, that pushed Chase yeah. across the finish line here. Like, it, it just is what it is. And, 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 and I know that people have, some people seemed very upset being like, in my Twitter, it's like, everybody knows this isn't about COVID. And, and, and a lot of people implying that it had to do with social justice. And it would, if it, if it did have to do with that, uh, more power to him. Like, I have no issue with that, whatever. What I, my point is, though, 
if that was indeed the motivation or the main motivation, why would you not mention that in your statement? If you're trying to bring uh, light to a certain cause or an issue, why would you then not use that platform that you're creating to do so? So I just, to me, my view of the situation may be very reductive. It is that I think COVID is what pushed them across the finish line. They would have had to wrestle with some of this other stuff anyway, like injury risk versus how set you are. I mean, remember Bosa? Uh, the younger Bosa had very little tolerance for injury risk, right? He like kind of hurt his ankle and then was just said, "Okay, yeah. I'm you know what? I'm done. I'm I'm just leaving. I'm going to go get ready Forgot about for the one. NFL." So like, even in like a vacuum, maybe Chase would have ended up something like that. But to me, so you already have all these questions that you got to rescue with, or that you got to kind of wrestle with, and then. It's. I think, though, all those would have not weighed as much as playing football because of what you could gain, the records you could set. You could feasibly drive your stock even higher if you had crazy success again with a new quarterback. Like, I, I think he would have been fine with playing and would have played, and his father's telling you that as well. But COVID, it's just even though the math is on your side, there's just – too much uncertainty when you're in Jamar Chase's spot. I mean, it is all about money, right? Everything is, which it should be. Everybody's trying to provide for their family generationally. He has that opportunity. Um, COVID, maybe even because of the potential effects on health and the uncertainty, it is then directly tied into the risk to that money. And so with so much unknown and with Chase's pedigree, it just becomes so logical and clear to see that the answer is opt out and begin to get ready for the NFL, right? You don't have to focus on school right now. You don't have to focus on anything else. You cannot just get physically ready to go test and do everything. Uh, but you can also get mentally ready. You can with your new agency, right? You can pick people's players' brains about like what it takes to be a professional. You can get like educated on financial stuff. The big like you can use this time to not just get physically, but also mentally ready for the transition to being a professional. And if he can do that without suffering a huge loss in value by not playing, with the pandemic currently going on, that just makes uh, way too much sense. Because just look at the myocarditis, right, or the heart stuff. Uh, chances are it doesn't happen to you. But we've seen it happen to a few college football players. If that happens, it's not a dissonance. You can play again eventually, but you cannot do anything physical for three to four months. What would? How does Jamar Chase get ready for the combine if he cannot do anything physical for three to four months? Or how does he get ready for you know the draft or whatever could potentially happen? And yes, it could potentially happen outside of LSU football, but then that would be very much. Uh, you know, he has more personal responsibility there because he's making the decisions about what to go and do as opposed to having to go to class and, and other things. So, yeah, I just want to be painfully clear how understandable uh, Jamar Chase's decision was. Yeah, actually, I think you laid everything out, like, pretty beautifully there. So I have no real kind of – the only thing I'd say is, yeah, I just – So – I just think you – I my because I don't like – I think our thoughts on why he left, I, I just think at the end of the day, I think it was just a mix of everything. I don't think – and I know you agree, but I don't think it's just the pandemic because he would have done it. He would have left a while ago. I don't think it's just the draft because he also would have left a while ago. Um, I don't think you know everything going on in the LSU locker room and social justice and everything like that is literally why he left. But it, I think it played a role. I do. I mean, I think it's like a a percentage. I mean, I'm not saying a big percentage, but it's one more factor to put in there of like, well, maybe not. And then you see the offensive line get hit with COVID, and all of a sudden you're like, where only four players were available to practice for about a week you know and it's just like I think it's just this perfect storm of those things highlighted the bigger reasons which of course is there's a pandemic and you have millions of dollars making the draft and I just think they all come together to be like you know what maybe as much as we want to play it just might not be worth it yeah I mean it's a grab bag but I mean I don't know I would also I I, I really do think that given all those other elements if there's no COVID that none of those other elements matter yeah, so no, way, agreed, agreed. It agreed. is that final push, so it's just, it is what it is, man, but I get it. Um, now the question becomes, who is more impactful to this team, losing Jamar Chase or Tyler Shelvin? Do you want me to start? I feel like I always make you give the first take. You know what, go for it. I'd love to, yeah, go for it. Okay, so um, I think this is actually not hard at all. 
I think that although, and it's maybe a bit unexpected because you have way more depth at wide receiver and you have less depth at defensive tackle, especially recently. But, I mean, it is so clearly Jamar Chase that it's not even close. Um, and, and, and the reasons are many. First, let's talk about Shelvin. Uh, Shelvin is, like you said, probably the best NFL prospect on the team. That really hurts. Uh, the drop-off from Sheldon to Ica, I believe, is probably less than the drop-off from Chase to Marshall. I could be wrong on that, actually. I guess I've never really explored that thought huh. out loud until now. Uh, I don't know if I believe that. I will say this. <laughs> the, main reason, the main reason why I think that it's not nearly as bad is the style of defense that Bo Pelini runs. He runs a 4-3. Um, Tyler Shelvin's body type is not ideal for a 4-3. Remember how much we celebrated last year his emergence? Because it finally meant that after years and years and years of uh, searching for that plug in the middle for the 3-4, Dave Aranda finally had a true 3-4 nose guard. Well, the next year running 4-3. So like, and, and, and it's not just, I, I said that this morning, and then we interviewed Booger McFarlane, and unprompted he said the exact same thing. So I feel very validated in that take. Ooh, okay. Um, I, I love actually but the disagreeing main, with you sometimes. The, the, the main reason why uh, the, the main reason why though Jamar Chase matters more on the top of just being the most transcendent player, like the best talent, is the knock-on effect, the ripple effects that he has on that entire offense. Um, he makes Miles Brennan's life 12,000 times easier. He knows if Miles Brennan lines up to take a snap and he sees that Jamar Chase is one-on-one, he, his decision is made. He doesn't have to think. You do not have to think past that point. Like, like if, if Jamar Chase is one-on-one, you can go there if you want with the ball and you will be rewarded. Uh, that, something like that is now taken off the table. Uh, Terrace Marshall goes from having the huge benefit of you know being the peerless price to the Eric Moulds like – like, yeah, everybody's – God, those references probably aren't going to play that much longer, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, but, but everybody's selling out to stop Chase. Well, okay, well then, Terry Small, you can't one-on-one him and Ari Gilbert, these other guys. So, like, every offensive weapon as well uh, takes a bit of a hit because the resources that were going to be committed to Chase can now be split up amongst the crew. So whether that's Ari Gilbert, Terrace Marshall, and look for both those guys, huge opportunity as well bigger numbers, all of these things, but it's going to be a tougher road to those numbers significantly than it would have been if Jamar Chase was out there demanding that you cover him. So I actually think I disagree, and I'm, I'm, I, I love this. Um, so I think at the end of the day, like the way I view this is the overall concept that football at the end of the day is a weak link sport, not a not a strong link sport, which, yeah, and just sure. for listeners who aren't like haven't read up on this whole theory and all that, it's the idea that like in soccer is the best example that the you know there are some sports that are strong league sports that the best players make like make the bigger difference. Basketball is by far the best example. If you have LeBron James, you are pretty immediately a top six team. You know, if you and then in soccer it's a weak link sport where it's more about having eleven cohesive pieces and, and your weakest link can't be that bad or else gonna hurt you. So I, I, you know, I like if you put just so for the listeners, I like to frame it in my mind as like in basketball, one player represents twenty percent of yeah. your team, right? And obviously in football, it's like 9%. So Yeah, and if, if you put Lionel Messi on, I don't know, like West Ham, they're not going to be top four in the Premier League. They're, you know, it's just, it's just a different you know, way the sport works. So football is you know, way closer to a weak link sport. It needs to be 11 pieces working together and whatnot. And I say all that to say, I think, I mean, there's no argument Chase is like the better player and is a bigger, you know, like I think LSU's upside gets dropped more because they lose Chase than it does Shelvin. But on a just like micro, week-to-week, day-to-day football program point of view, I still – and by the way, I don't think you're wrong with either argument. But my feeling right now is that with even without Chase – your 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 weak link situation at receiver is still pretty darn good. Where you still have, you know, Terrace Marshall, Racy McMath, Kayshawn Booty, Coy Moore, Jare Jenkins, you know, Trey Palmer, all these guys. You know, um, Arik Gilbert's. You know, he's a receiver. Let's be honest. So like, I still feel good that when your personnel is out on the football field, 
you still are presenting a pretty large challenge for receivers. Now, your chance for error goes down a little, but like you're still stressing that defense out a pretty darn good amount. And then you lose Shelvin. And I know, like, at the end of the day, you still love those first two starters. Like, I love Apueka. I'm actually, like, that's, like, the one positive of all this is I'm so excited to see what Apueka does as the main guy because he's, he's just as fun to watch as Shelvin. He's a really weirdly agile big guy. But I still feel like at the end of the day, now you look at that defensive line, and that's a position that literally just, like, five months ago, you and I couldn't stop talking about how fun it was going to be to watch that in a 4-3. I was so freaking yeah. excited. And now you lose Shelvin and Farrell, which I, I know it's not fair to like throw Farrell into this because that like makes the discussion a different thing. But now you look at this D line and you're like, I really like Len Logan Apuai because you're starting D tackles. But you look at that entire thing; it's I don't really know what to think of the D ends. It's Andre Anthony, Trevez Moore, and then a bunch of freshmen, and it might turn out great, but still very uncertain. And then after that top two at D tackle. It's guys that, again, I think are going to be studs at LSU, but it's true freshmen. It's Jacoby and Guillory. It's Jaqueline Roy. You know, it's it's just, I just feel like losing Shelvin changes a little bit how I view that entire D-line a bit more, and that kind of gets to the weak link thing. While at receiver, I still feel like one through three at receiver, whatever that combination will end up being, is pretty darn scary. Yeah, I, I guess that's interesting because there's actually a lot of similarities between the two situations, in my opinion. Because yeah. when you get past the starting lineup on defense, you're essentially relying on two freshmen, Guillory and Roy, right? Yeah. When you get past the top two guys on offense, you are kind of essentially relying on freshmen. But very now different positions, throw, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, but I mean, okay, but look at uh, – yes, and I agree with you. Traditionally, I do think it's harder to come in as a freshman in the line and do well. But we love Jamar Chase. We love Terrace Marshall. What did they do their freshman year? You're right. And I get that it's a different context of the offense and all of these things. So this is a – you know, it's – yes, there's explanatory factors for whichever side you want to argue. Um, But but, but that said, like – I, I do feel like, yeah, we give Booty and more this this super kind of bit of it out. And honestly, I extend the same to Guillory and Roy. Like, I actually think they're going to be good. Yeah, um, me too. I don't know if all the hype trains around them are just people trying to convince us so that, like, there's not more concern about that group rolling in or if they actually believe it. I mean, obviously, we'll play the games and we'll figure out. Um, but, yeah, I just I, – I, I feel like – I feel like the situations in the depth chart, and even in terms of the weak link, are actually more similar than it looks. Because, like, yeah, Terrace Marshall is proven, but Racy McMath isn't proven. Right? We weren't even sure that Racy McMath was going to win that third receiver job. And now he's been – and we thought he was, and he likely was. But now he's being immediately penciled in as number two. And so now you kind of have two unknowns to go along with Marshall. I just, yeah, I think they're similar. And so I think just the transcendent level of chase and the knock on effect to the most important position in football, the quarterback and Brennan trying to work in. I think that's where it becomes uh, especially impactful. So like, I agree. I think that's fair. It's still going to be good. And that kind of can segue to like my, our next, pro- I assume our next point in this is that, how does it change yep. how you feel about the whole football team? And that is where I get it because you're you're making a completely valid point. And it's how do we feel about this team in 2020 now? And Jamar Chase, the way we, we both, I think, completely talked about this offense in 2020 and how the way we talked about Miles Brennan as a whole was through this prism of he has the biggest safety blanket in college football, which is the yes, best, arguably exactly. the best receiving core in college football. You know, and I think that was – factored into everything this like the, my my most annoying repeated phrase has been miles brennan if he's just pretty good lsu will be great you know like that's been my catchphrase and now that safety blanket's gone where i mean i still like there was receivers i still like he's in a good situation but that safety blanket is gone and that you don't have that guy you can just throw up a one-on-one to and let him win or you don't have that thing where like you always figure someone will be open you know i think that changes a little bit so that just lowers your ceiling a little bit while yeah you're right i mean i don't think like the the overall physics of the defense change without shelvin so that's a fair point but and i want and, and i'll just say this last thing so then do, I'll turn so to you. Do, do, okay yeah, yeah in that what my overall point is i actually don't think these losses change the floor of this team that much i don't i think 
I might drop them down one win, but I don't think the floor changes that much. And that goes back to the weak link thing and that both losses hit, in theory, pretty strong areas. And I still think the overall talent level of LSU hmm. should be a favorite yeah. in about seven games this year. They should win six games, like, clearly, in my opinion. So I don't think yeah, that changes. To, but my ceiling to, to has... Your, comp- oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. You, no, you got it, man. Because I was just going to say, the ceiling changes, though. No, but and I'm sorry to interrupt you because you're right. And uh, I just got excited because I as love you were talking, I was sitting there looking at the schedule and just kind of doing the thing where you write down all the games and you just put a, you know, a W and L or a question mark next to them. And you're right. The games that were already wins on that schedule remain wins. It's just that you feel less good about winning two of those three question marks Versus maybe now like one of three, right? Yeah. Like you'll still be, you still should beat Mississippi State, Vandy, Mizzou, three and zero. I'm still just going to chalk up a loss to Florida. I was already doing that okay. from a conservative standpoint. I like it. Um, so you're three and one. Uh, you beat South Carolina. I have Auburn as a question mark. Yeah. I have a loss to Bama. You beat Arkansas. Still, I have A and M as a question mark, yeah. and then Ole Miss as a win. So really, if you wanted to, so that could you do one, two, three, four. That's six wins. That's, that's then, six yeah. right there. And then you got to get one of those two games against Auburn or A&M. And so maybe you make Florida, you make those three the question mark games. Before, I thought you would win two of those three and finish yep. eight and two. Now, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's one of those three and seven and three. Yeah, exactly. I think you like basically nailed everything I feel in that. Before all this news... My prediction was 8-2, and two, and it was yours as well. We were on the same page there. But I think you and I both 100%, because we just always admit it. This is a team that's hard to predict. There's so much new. You don't know. But I absolutely could under, like could have seen scenarios where Brennan's just really good. The defense just goes up a notch, which I like really thought it could. And this team actually is like the third or fourth best team in college football. Like I, That was still completely in the cards. They could have surprised me and been there with Alabama and gone 9-1 or 10-0 and and won a national title. I, I like There was a 5% chance of that. And now I just don't feel that good about that. You know, I st- like we said, I still think they go 7-3 and three at the end of the day. But I just don't see that scenario where you surprise me. That, that percentage goes down. Because, yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I think they lose to Florida now. I guess I think they beat Auburn. I think they lose to Bama. And then I think A&M is the, the true question mark. And granted, that's a huge question mark because I just don't even know what to think of A&M yet. We haven't seen it. But, yeah, I, I think we're actually on the same page there. Even though per this math, if you do beat Auburn, then that will be your seven. That will give you seven. And then that A&M game could push you to eight. So, we'd see. Um, so, Brody, a couple players leaving. Like you said, it changes ceiling. Uh, there may be some more on the way. We're not sure yet. Yes. Uh, Ed Ogeron did say that one or two more LSU players are considering opting out, adding that uh, hopefully they do not. Uh, we don't have any – I don't have any idea who that could potentially be. It's probably reckless to say so. So, I yeah. mean, unless you feel strongly about something. No, I'm the same as you. I, I feel pretty – I've heard there very well might be one or two more, but I just don't have a good sense of who they are and don't want to speculate. It's kind of crazy now. Uh, five down to just five returning starters from last year's national championship team. I think even when you were at eight, you were maybe the lowest in the SEC. So it is, I mean, a completely new look LSU coming this fall. Uh, but Brody, the drama wasn't just on the field. Uh, it was off the field as well recently. As Friday, Ed Ogeron shows up for a team meeting and nobody's there, or at least like, you know, only a sprinkling of the team is there. He then gets a call that his team has uh, marched uh, to the president's office and is uh, saying that they want to to speak with him. You've written about this story. You've covered this story. Give people the kind of details of just how, like, the timeline and how everything played out. Yeah, I think just the way I'll open this is just by saying there is tension in the LSU locker room right now. It is a tricky time for Ed Ogeron. And, you know, he, I'm not going to like, I'm not being dramatic. I'm not saying he's lost the team or anything like that, but there are some waves to maneuver here. I mean, it's, it's real. And so, yeah, and I, I don't think this is just social issues. I don't think this is just anything about like opt outs or anything like that. It's so just a weird mix of things going on right now. And basically, yeah. So about a month ago, I mean, Ed Ogeron as, and again, I want to also say this is not about politics. This is just about reading your team. And, 
Ed Ogeron, you know, for much of this summer has become much more of a public figure the way he's been doing PSAs with, you know, COVID-19 and the governor. And, you know, he's been more public. He's been going on Fox News like a few times over the spring and summer. And most he's been getting a ton of like credit and love for it for the most part. Most like people are like, wow, look how, you know, big of a figure this coach is becoming. He's making a change. And then about three or four weeks ago, Fox News continued to press him about President Trump. And he said... I love President Trump, and you know he was he was if we're being honest, yeah, he was respecting the office. He was being like, I I I love President Trump. He was great to us at the White House, which yeah, all indications were they had a great time at the White House, and that's what he meant by it. But and again, this is not me saying there's any good or bad in that statement. This is me saying he leads a team of primarily and heavily majorly black athletes. Who yeah. again, this is not about right or left. This is not about politics. This is about they believe the president of the United States does not value them the same way and does not treat them with equal rights. That is how they view it. It is not about right or left. This is that that's just they do not feel valued. And they think there's a lot going on in our country as we've seen with police shootings and police violence and all these things. It's a very tough time for these young men. And that is how they feel. So when they hear their head coach saying that, that upsets them. Caleb on Chason I think had the perfect not perfect tweet and that I agree with it, but summarizes what happened well. And that Caleb on Chason, who's by the way the player that Ed Ogeron is the closest with of any player at LSU I think in his era, and a guy he's called like a yeah. son to him, <laughs> that night tweeted at him, tweeted at, quote tweeted the quote and said like, "Hey, I don't think Coach O meant anything by this. He's a good man, but Coach O is the definition of only cares about football." And like this was basically it was like this was a a reckless, silly thing to say. And, like, he was like, how could you say that? And I think that's how a lot of the locker room felt. And I don't think that's the only thing that happened. I think there's been a general cushiness between Ogeron and Trump that the players have not appreciated. And then you time that with teams all across the country last week protesting in this weekend, protesting and skipping practices to try to raise awareness. And the NBA saw the boycott a playoff game and all these things, which has been really moving to see and that they are trying to raise awareness and try to create change. And that has been happening right as this tension is also growing within LSU. And then, so basically, Friday, as o, as T-Bob said, well, basically, Jacoby Stevens and Andre Anthony, two leaders of the team, and maybe some others, orchestrated you know, a similar thing that teams all across the country have been doing. This isn't like, LSU wasn't a game changer here. They had a players-only protest, or a player-led protest, and went to the Tiger Stadium, marched to the president's office, had a conversation with him, asked for some action. They did not tell Ed Ogeron about that, which I think is the real, like, what's going on thing about it. It's not that they skipped practice. A lot of teams did this. That's a big step. That's a big (laughs) step that he had no idea. Like, that's pretty crazy, dude. I've never heard of anything like that. Exactly. And he basically walked into the team meeting at 1.30, and from what I heard, there were six players there. And and then, you know, he kind of heard some things about it. And then there's this weird thing that I've heard multiple sides where – they were waiting in front of Tiger Stadium and apparently were waiting on him to come join them. But, you know, he's been that I've also heard that and he said this as well, that he like didn't know that. And so and I actually will give Ed the benefit of the doubt there. I think there was just communication errors all around because they wanted him to come with. And then they were kind of, you know, not happy that he didn't come with. But he might not have known until later. And basically, they Ed Ogeron did. If that's true, that's <laughs> just what an unfortunate shit show. Like, like yeah, if, like if like if like you really. <laughs> If he really did not know, now if he, it's kind of weird because <laughs> I think it's we can't never know yeah. the motivations. But if 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 you did know and you chose not to, that's an entirely different problem. Exactly. Uh, but if he, you and he did admitted not that. And he, and he said, and he said, I, I sent some other coaches. Like I know Corey Raymond was one of them. I'm not sure who the others were. Maybe Mickey. And you know, he sent some other coaches to go talk to them. So maybe there is some validity to that statement. That you know, and, and then those guys came. And then after, basically, the players went into the president's office to have a conversation. That so is they when, went. Uh, wait. So he sent Coach Raymond out there, and then he didn't go. Now I don't know if he uh, again. I'm uh, this part. I will admit ignorance. I do not know what he knew at the time. I do not know. Yeah. And I would love to ask him more about this because I think it's a. I would love to. I don't want to put anything unfair on him. He might have very good reasons. Yeah, but, that's, fair. that's um, fair. But yeah, he's some other coaches went to go talk to the players before Ed Ogeron did, and then hmm. basically eventually Ed Ogeron and Scott Woodward, the athletic director, did go to the president's office. The whole team and you know the staff and administration. Basically, we're in a room at the president's office and talked for, I don't know, maybe like an hour and a half of a very long conversation. And and I think there was some big growth from it. I also don't think the players left that meeting completely like, you know, like completely at peace yet, if that makes that I think that's a fair way to put it. And yeah, they went into this weekend and just a pretty tense time. And then and then it's such as unfortunate that then and I think it is slightly tied together, but not 
completely that then you have more transfers happen you know that over the weekend and you have two huge players opt out over the weekend and I just think there's a and then also two days the two days before this you had the news reported by Brooks Cabina and then eventually by myself that the whole offensive line except four players were you know quarantining or testing positive um, with COVID-19 so just a perfect storm of tricky stuff going on and I think that Ojean just has a tricky locker room to maneuver but and, I'll, and I guess I'll go out and then turn to you and say I say all this to say the biggest thing I give Ed Ojean credit for, and I wrote about it at alarming rates, so I'll admit it, is that we talked about how good he is at adapting and listening and changing. That is his number one greatest strength. He went from a failure at Ole Miss, changed exact, completely how he coaches, and became National Coach of the Year. That is what I give him the most credit for and respect most about him. And right now, he really has to do that. He has to listen to his players. He has to change. And he yeah. admitted that at a press conference yesterday, that he needs to be a little different about some of these things. And so I have faith that he's somebody who knows how to maneuver this and can change. He just has to. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I hope that it would take a similar path to the Drew Brees situation, where a lot of people view the Drew Brees um, – story from earlier this summer where Breeze came out and talked about how you'd never kneel for the flag and it's kind of like anti-military and stuff. Uh, no, I, I whatever, I'm paraphrasing, right? Yeah. But, but he said he, he tied it back into the military. And um, obviously that is something that people that kneel and uh, Black Lives Matter have been fighting against for years. It's like the very notion they've been trying to dispel. And so you had all this fallout with him and his teammates and all these other things. Now, a lot of people still are soured on that story one way or another. Yes. Some think Breeze shouldn't have been forgiven. Some think that uh, Breeze buckled to pressure, right? And he should have stood by his statements. I just view it as the public statements that we have from his teammates. And to me, I actually view it as an incredibly positive story. Uh, I don't think Breeze said what he said out of any sort of malice. No. He was born, I think, of ignorance, right? And yeah. so it came from respectable ideals, to, but ignorance. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But ignorance of like what your how how your vision of what the flag means to you could be different from a teammate who has had different experiences in this country to what the flag could mean to them. And so here you had this 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 very short term rough patch, this adversity where people are calling guys out publicly. They got to have players only meetings or. They're hashing things out. And on the other side of it, I felt like you actually left with a more united locker room. You had Drew Brees coming out and really just being honest about how kind of he was open to the different experiences that his teammates have had, committing to being a positive force, which he has already followed through with. Um, I think he's donated like, what, like $10 million more additional dollars or something at this point. Um, Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins seem pleased with, you know, the conversations that took place. And those are two incredible leaders in their own rights. So here you had people that felt differently. It's like ultimately we always claim we want. Yeah. And yet we rip apart this story. But you have people that felt differently. They came together, talked and arrived at a, you know, in an amicable place where both sides understood one another. And so I would hope that this story would kind of follow that same trend. I, I think the only things that gives me a bit of cause for concern, because look, I don't think anything was done by Ed Ogeron out of malice either. No, I, I sincerely don't. Uh, yeah. It's the Calevon tweet. He just loves football. He's a football guy. I mean, how how do you get a person to let in the noise when one of their core guiding philosophies and on the football field this absolutely works is block out the noise, right? Yeah. Like that, that, that's what you build your life around. And then so those are some tough walls to break down. And so sometimes you have to go through these short-term adversities to break those walls down. And and, and my sincere hope is that has what happened. Uh, only time will tell how his players react to him and how he uh, – how his players react to him and how he reacts to them, right? And, and whether or not they reach these conclusions where they both really see each other and aren't just kind of doing – uh, lip service. Like only time will tell him that. I think the things that make me a bit concerned are, well, I don't know. I mean, he was pretty honest in that. Um, he, I mean, he seemed pretty forthright in that, or I guess like just like kind of understanding that he may have missed the mark or he yeah. was wrong in that statement yesterday. And that was one thing about Breeze that like Breeze came out and was vehement 
right? That after he's talking to his teammates, they're like, okay. And he even tried to kind of defend himself at first, and then he talked to me, learned. So, like, I, I, O can be a bit more laconic in general. So I guess that makes sense. But he, he admits that he's wrong. He says he wants to be a part of solutions. It's like, now, what form does that take? And do you actually believe that? And, and, and do you actually believe where your players are coming from? And it's impossible to know uh, outside looking in. But it's just, it, I mean, as a player, it's, it, I can see how they're disappointed because in an offseason where he became this very public voice, it was odd to see him remain silent on some of these racial issues, especially when you had other college football coaches being very proactive in letting their feelings be known. Yeah, I think well put. And here's there's two quick things I just want to like say for our listeners, and if they're still listening, hey, tip of the cap to you guys. But and shoot, honestly, if you're still listening, you might not be the ones who need to hear this. But I I, I think I've seen two reactions to this story, and I just want to like comment on them. And that's that one you're seeing a lot of people be like, why is the athletic writing so much about politics? First off, okay, I cover an LSU football team, and there's tension in the LSU locker room. It, I, I don't care what the reason is. It might be about one guy doing like being mean to another, but like regardless, like I'm gonna write about why there's tension in the LSU locker room with the head coach. Like it, it's not me being like I want to write about politics. That's something you have to write about. Second off, okay, there's a lot of people who are like basically trying to say they're like mad that players are making this about politics and all that. I do not think that, and that is this is the big thing I want to say. Is that I do not think this is about politics. People make everything that has to do with po- political figures about politics, but it's not. It is They are not talking about right versus left. They are not talking about things like this. They are talking about equal rights, which I always kind of believe both sides agreed on. And they are saying that Ed Ogeron, that by Ed Ogeron's comments, they feel like the person who they take orders from and listen to and like lead them from a day-to-day basis and are like you know father figures to a lot of them by his comments they feel like they are indirectly being invalidated it is not about yeah. politics it is not about left or right it is about they feel like their head coach by saying that does not see them does not validate them and you know i'm not saying this but like you almost they wonder do you not think we should have equal rights? You know, those are that's what they see. So it's not about what we believe. It's not about any of that. Just respect that that is how they see it. It's not about a political thing. It's not about them being like, I hate Trump. It's about what it represents. And that is just all I will say and kind of wrap up on that thought. I mean, that that's like the base, like cynical, just, you know, emotionless PR take on all of this is I don't give a damn. Like if you're a CEO or a head coach, I don't give a damn how you feel about the issues. Yeah, exactly. You have a majority black team. All that matters is how they feel about the issues. Exactly. And so if you have a group on the team and you know they're united in these thoughts, I don't care how you feel. You have to support them. You just, you, you, I mean, you, you just have exactly. to. And, 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 and none of this is to say that O does it because we're not, this is just a more general statement. But yeah, you got to. And so, I mean, look, I think, like I said, I think, um, you got to go through adversity to to learn and to grow. I like what Sean Payton said when he was talking about trying to uh, kind of approach police reform in this country. And he was talking about, you know, it's not easy, but the obstacle is the way. Uh, like, like that, you, you can't shy away from it. You can't try to get around it. You can't just block it out like LSU is trying to do. You have to deal with it, and you have to go through it. And when you do... If you handle it correctly, then you will come out on the other side stronger for it. If you don't, then you could come out a bit a bit splintered. So <laughs> that is the funny thing, we'll right? See. It's like you know, you know, if you want to talk politics, being a recruiter is the most political thing you can have. Being a recruiter is being a politician. So you know what? Maybe it yes. is politics, but like, if you want, it's not about like whether O should be able to do this. It's not like you. I mean, you said this just perfectly, but I'm echoing it. Like, if it's not about like. Right or wrong, it's like if you want to recruit black men, if you want to lead black yeah. men, yes, say feel how you feel. That's fine, but don't be mad about what happens. That's all. That's all. That's really all it is. That's all I have to say. Is like 
just don't be mad about the consequences then because that's just how it works. He has the right to feel how he feels. He absolutely should respect the president. Like, I get it. It's fine. It's like, just understand. Like, it's like the Mike Gundy thing. Or I mean, it's, I, I would almost compare it to, like, the, the, the weed at the workplace argument where being like, well, it's legal. And it's like, that doesn't mean an employer has to want you to their employer, employees to be doing drugs. Cool. Sounds like the athletic are a bunch of nerds. <laughs> oh man. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's an apt analogy though. Yeah. For real or metaphor. I don't know which one. Yeah. We'll is. figure it out later. We'll workshop it. Um, so yeah, I hope yeah, it, we'll see. I'm, this is one of our favorite games is seeing, uh, we have metrics that show when listeners drop off. And I think this is going to be an all time candidate for, uh, I can't, yeah, I can't I mean, wait to I see. I know I should do a better job of looking at that kind of stuff. It just messes my head too much. It's like, oh, I yeah. Like that kind of I don't stuff. change what I say based like, on it. I'm just fascinated yeah. to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, and, and I get it. People don't want politics or sports. They shut it off. But as you said, they're just intrinsically tied right now. For the, and, and, I, and I actively try to keep it out of the morning show. Um, and it's just, it's just, you can't right now. I mean, whatever. You got the president tweeting about bringing back Big Ten football. Okay, it is, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Like, whatever. Um, so, crazy times afoot in LSU. And we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Like I said, my read on the situation, I think this has a good ending. I think that here you had a man like Caleb said, good heart, knows football, maybe blocking out the noise a bit too much, learns to let a little noise in. Uh, but uh, we will see. Where it goes. And we almost have football, Brody. Not only just like LSU, but we're a week and a half away from the Saints and the Bucks in the Superdome. Dude, and tomorrow, me? I know like not everyone's going to give a shit, but tomorrow is South Alabama Southern Miss. It's our first FCS game, like or FBS game. I'm excited as hell for that. Oh, I actually didn't watch the Austin P this weekend because my fine. niece and my daughter have just been Disney Plusing the television all day. Well, tomorrow night. Or all night. So, dude. Hell FCS, yeah, dude. FBS football, baby. Um, all right. So that'll do it for today's Hold That Podcast podcast. Uh, if you like it, it really helps if you share, review it, you know, five-star, whatever. Whatever rating you want to give it, just review it and share it. Um, also, go to theathletic.com slash hold that podcast and buy your meats from A-Bear's Specialty Meats in Bocage. Uh, Brody, anything to add here on the way out? I think you ended it beautifully, my dude. All right, y'all have a great day, and we will see you next week.